Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by... Danny. And Tim. Guys, how are your hearts? Not, not, not good, not good. Um, Heart, not good. brains, just everything. Just still racing, really, isn't it, after that? We are recording this, by the way, <laughs> about an hour after the race has actually finished. <laughs> Yeah, so if uh, if anything happens with Verstappen being called to the stewards, it might not be picked up in here. But we all agree that he should just move on, move on FIA, move on to stewards, and just let them go into the final race on level points. Yeah. Um. So we'll get into it. We'll start off, uh, and we'll talk about well, Mick Schumacher to start with. He crashed out, uh, and whilst his weekend was quiet and there wasn't much to write home about. When he crashed out, Danny, should they have just bought the red flag out straight away, or were they right to run a few laps behind the safety car? Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can all com- can say, you know, take out the red flag immediately, but we really didn't know what the damage was. It- it's such a split decision. I know it's easy to to um, you know complain about Ma- Ma- uh, Massey. But it's a split time decision. I don't. I give him the benefit of the doubt. He had a terrible uh, race directing today, but I don't think that was the worst move of the, of the race for today. But uh, so yeah, looking at back at it, who knew? You know, he he really didn't knew at the at that moment to call a, a red flag. With the yeah, just to add, uh, with the type of barriers that he hit, I believe it was to draw at Mugello last year, who hit the same type of barrier in a similar style crash sideways into it, and they did, they flew the safety car. They then looked at the barrier and realised it needed a bigger repair, which is why they red flagged it. And from what I saw today, that looked similar to what the decision that they took today. So there is a precedent for what Matty decided to do today, and it's not as conspiracy as some people might believe uh yeah no i feel that it could have been called out sooner i think we've waited a quite a long time we had quite a few laps of going past it before we decided mm, this isn't right and i think if you're going to stop it because you need vehicles on track to repair a barrier you, you should stop the race for vehicles on track to recover a car and remove bits of barrier i think it was the right call but i think it should have been done faster of course after the red flag we had we had another red flag caused by perez russell and mazepin Perez, of course, got tagged by Leclerc, who obviously was completely faultless in that. I mean, Perez didn't exactly give him anywhere to go. Um, but should it have been a rolling start in the first place, if we're talking hindsight being 2020, Tim? The problem I have with it is that they did a rolling start for the F2 restart after the long stoppage in that race. And I think that well, they did it on the second time, didn't they? I think. No, sorry, no. They did it for both the restarts. They both. They did ro- They did red flag restarts in every F2 race where there was a uh, a red flag. They did a standing start, and each time there was some sort of incident. Yeah, but then, but then, but then in the future race today, they did it as a rolling restart after the crash between Fittipaldi and Porsche. Porsche, get well soon, guys. Um, if you haven't seen that, it's not very nice at all, and we hope they're both okay. Um, but yeah, I so I think I thought the FIA had learned because I was fully expecting it to be a rolling start after that restart in the F2 race had been a rolling start. I thought the FIA had learned from the other support races across the weekend, but clearly not. You could argue that it might have still been a pile up the way that 
Russell and Mazepin especially came together, I don't think there was... If, if Russell had spun in normal conditions, Mazepin would have hit in the same way. But definitely the Perez and Leclerc incident could have been avoided, I think, if there was a rolling restart. But maybe not so much the Russell-Mazepin contact. I don't think Russell or Mazepin ever would have had that situation because Russell slowed down reacting to Perez spinning around. Um, and I, I, I feel that it was more of a knock... I don't think it was to do with the red flag restart or standing start. I felt it was more of a knock-on effect of how Verstappen rejoined the track because that slowed a lot of people down. Um, it wasn't just Verstappen when, when he the track. Got... It was the whole entire front four, the way that they well, there was a lot of yeah, I would say there, were, there was a few cars that went off. The Verstappen was sort of the first one, and then, of course, Bottas went off, and he came back on. Bottas didn't come on so abruptly, but it was still, of course, it caused like a Constantina yeah. effect, and it bottled everyone up. And when you've got sweeping wall sections like that, you see it in Baku, you, um, you sort of run a... A bottleneck almost. Has anyone seen the Esteban Ocon on board from that start? Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. So just from that restart, it was just perfect from what he did. But yeah, anyway. Well, yeah. Yeah. well, it's pretty easy to be perfect when you've got two guys in front of you who are trying to take each other out. Um, or one trying to take the other out. Um, yeah, Danny. Danny, you got anything yeah, yeah. to add on? Yeah, to, to continue with, the o- with Ocon and that whole incident. Well, that whole incident resulting o- Ocon jumping ahead. Um, yeah, there was, um, it was really tight. Um, Valtteri almost hit Max. We could have been talking about a very different race. Uh, he had to, he had to take a face of action already. Um, but yeah, that, that incident, that whole, you also got to give it credit to, um, the track. Well, not credit, but blame on the track as well. The blind corners, uh, after that first chicane, the, the corners are pretty blind. And it's very hard to see it. If you go on Mazepin's uh, onboard, it it happened very sudden. He he had nowhere to he go. Had no chance. Yeah, to no chance. So you know, part to do with the blind corners. If there was a little more runoff on the side, you know, if it was at a traditional track, we probably wouldn't have seen an incident like this. It would have been like uh, like France, for example, where everybody just kind of spreads out to the side and and everybody comes out unscathed. But yeah, it was a it was a tough. It's a tough track. Well, that being said, you've got to remember this is a street circuit where every single road was purpose-built and didn't exist before the race actually happened. Yeah. Uh, the main straight, of course, is going to become an actual road, but other than that, yeah. it's, it's, it's not really a street circuit, and you could have, in theory, opened it up a little bit more to avoid situations like this. I think Turn 1, it, un- it unnecessarily bottlenecks and tightens up um, where it could be a bit more open, and we may have not seen some of the rejoining that we saw. Um, finally, on the retirement, Sebastian Vettel uh, eventually retired after shedding more and more pieces of car on track. Um, a lot of this debris, he shedded at once. Um, it was from the contact from Danny, Timmy, G- wasn't it? That he shedded. Yes, it was from the contact from Timmy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but oh, a lot of this debris came off at once. Should they have just called a proper safety car, Danny, or should they just kept with running stupid VSC after stupid VSC? I think my views on this clear, but yours? <clears throat> yeah, same, same. Um, just call a safety car out. Make sure you get all the uh, debris out of the way. But it's it's not a guarantee it's going to happen in five laps from then or uh, right after the restart. Uh, it's just um, 
again, blaming the track on this one, the nature of this track and being a street circuit, similar to Baku uh, 2017, uh, where we had multiple VSCs and, and we had a red flag in that session uh, because of debris. So, um, you know, it's just a, it's a tough spot for the stewards. It's a tough spot for for Massey here in this one as well. But it's uh, it's just frustrating to see them to stop and go and stop and going. Yeah. Uh, one more question on Vettel for you, Tim. Um, this one being more on the marshalling rather than the race director. Um, do you think that they should have just shown Vettel a black and orange flag and got him to come into the pits? It's a bit questionable because he actually Ted was saying on the if you're listening to the Sky F1 broadcast Ted Kravitz was saying that on the radio he was the one actually saying I need to come in and change the wing and the team were the ones that told him to stay out if the team are looking at it from their slow-mos and onboards and they're saying they, that it looks fine are the stewards gonna have more live information and live delta than the team does they're meant to view the same systems or have access to the same systems and the main broadcast cameras were not on Vettel for the majority of the time that he was going around live. So I don't think, I think it would have been very difficult for the stewards to bring out the black and orange flag for that one. In hindsight, yes, they should have done. But with in in the heat of a race, that I think is going to be a major topic today, it's very so difficult to make those split second decisions, isn't it? From a, both from a driver perspective and from an outside the cockpit perspective. It's a story of this race, really, isn't it? When we get onto instance later on. You can always say in hindsight they should have done this or they should have done that. So moving into the guys who actually finished the race, Tim, Kimi Raikkonen, is he now just looking for chaos and cars to overtake to stop his boredom? <laughs> and he's just checked out, has he? I think he's long gone, hasn't he? We, we're, all, we're all aware that he's finishing and he's aware that he's finishing and he's just in it for a Sunday afternoon drive, seemingly for the last few weeks. Isn't he? I mean, he was Sunday driving behind the VSC, I was wasn't he? he was dawdling along. Be my next point was that the under the VSC, um, he backed Max up, didn't he? A little bit into Lewis, and even though he says <laughs> in interviews he doesn't care who wins the title, you just wonder if he just thought, I know what, I'll have some fun here, back them up into each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he just didn't. Maybe he was that much of a Sunday afternoon driver that he just didn't even want to go at the speed limit. I don't think he cared about the VSC either. He's just like, nah, just get me out of here. He crashed. He crashed into uh, Vettel, caused all the virtual safety cars, and couldn't be bothered to follow the speed of them. <laughs> Someone else who um, caused chaos, Yuki Tsunoda, Danny. Uh, I know you were on the high train at the start of the season, but just how much does he need to grow up ahead of next season? Because he just seems to call it incident after incident. I, I don't know. That's just that was just a rough, another rough race for him. Um, he de- definitely needs to grow up. Next year will be his, um, you know, his last year pretty much. So there's not much, not much more for him to offer, uh, unfortunately. But uh, he's trying to make sure, you know, make sure that he ends this year in a bang. Uh, like two of the last three races, he's been he involved. In a way. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a shame. It's a pretty shame. Pretty much a shame. That's all I gotta say with about him. Do you think Alwyn's a bit too crashy to be a driver mentor? <laughs> No, actually, I, I don't. I don't. Albon wasn't really outside of his um, run-ins with Lewis last year. Albon was a pretty clean driver, uh, but yeah, it's just he had a few crashes in practice. But yeah, yeah, most of the time it happened in practice and qualifying. Yeah, but during race, he was you know they raced him hard. Give him a break. Mm. 
Next up in 13th was Alonso. Uh, Tim, when Fernando Alonso retires from racing, should he replace Michael Massey because he actually knows what he's doing? <laughs> Uh, that's a harsh question. First off, Alonso's weekend generally um, pretty quiet. It was a battle. Pretty quiet from him, wasn't it? Really, he just never really had the pace in the car. Um, we should probably talk about the video that's going around of his reaction to the Max Verstappen. That was his highlight. Because I think that was pro- <laughs> Alonso was all of that us. Was, he was all of us situation. in that moment. But it's probably the most noteworthy aspect of his weekend, isn't it? And as you say, then well, yeah, as, as you we... then say, calling out Michael Massey for the safety car to clean the track. Um, do you think he's got a, do you think that's the role that Alonso should be encouraged to take when he finally retires? Uh, I, I mean, Being a race I director? don't want to think about the day he retires really. Um, <laughs> everyone here knows my love for Fernando, but um, <laughs> I don't No, I don't think I, I could definitely see him coming back as a driver steward in his current format. Um, I mean, it can't be much worse than Vantonio Liuzzi given his track record of the three races he's been at this season. Um, <laughs> Chaos, every one of them. Yeah, and, um, and every time he's backed away from making a decision. I, yeah, uh, I'd love to see him in any job. He'll find stuff to do, won't he, Fernando? And I reckon he'll be a lot like... Yeah. Uh, you see some drivers who are retired from racing at the F1 level, but they go around to their local circuits and their local theories and things like that national theory i could definitely see him keeping racing well into his 50s 60s even of some sort but yeah <laughs> like carlos Sainz yeah like senior. carlos Sainz senior yeah he'll put he'll push on into his 50s for sure um next up from going about someone we've got lots to talk about uh danny i'm going to give you someone we've all got very little to talk about uh nicholas latifi who's he do you actually uh yeah do you, do you have anything to say on him because where was he <laughs> Did he race today? He finished 12. 12, apparently. 12. Wow. That is, um, what, his second season high of the year? Uh, well, no, he had a couple of points no, finishes, he didn't he? No, he got points finishes. Well, Spa. Because we all thought we had, like, the like Latifi 2.0 when he was getting point finishes, and all of a sudden he's gone back to being... Nicholas Latifi 1.0 <laughs> back to Nicholas Lati- Lati- back to Nicholas he's Latifi without the porridge um <laughs> yeah I, I just he yeah. was just quiet you know to be honest I really didn't um it, all my attention was in the front and the guys in the points Latifi really his name wasn't shown just drove a quiet race you know he he would have it would have been this was a race where the people in the back had a really good chance to make up points um we saw Norris had dropped out of the top 10, go out. He was like at one point, 14th, 13th. You know, so this is an opportunity with the hard overtaking that a driver like Latifi, like Russell, before his, um, before his incident, could have possibly moved up into the points. But, you know, you just didn't see that from them. Look where Ocon. Ocon ended up just missing the podium. You know, he was in the, he was in the middle of the, of the pack. He was uh, 10th. I think he qualified 9th or 10th. But still, you know. Seventh yeah. on the grid, Ocon. Seven. Ocon was ninth by four. Oh, I'm not no, sure. He was ninth, yeah. But... Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You see, but like with the red flags that came in, we could talk about Ocon all night, and I'm sure. We'll no, yeah, I'm just using on. him as an example where you know Latifi and uh, drivers like Latifi and Russell, drivers in Williams, drivers in in Alpha, Giovinazzi, ended in the points. You know, so yeah, so that's all I was trying to refer to. Yeah. Um. Finally, the points finish, uh, non-point finishes before we get to our advertisement. Uh, Tim, 
Lance Stroll. Um, kind of. What happened to him? And what happened to him and Vettel in qualifying? Was it their fault, or is there a problem in the garages at Aston? Because you're seeing the miss Q3, oh, sorry, miss Q2 quite a lot. I just don't think the car had the pace this weekend. I don't think it's a case of when they sent them out or a, a, a strategy issue. I just don't think they had the pace in the car the whole weekend. They just looked off it, him and Vettel. Um, he actually had a brilliant first stint in the race between the initial start and the red, cra- red flag for Mick Schumacher. He actually made up a lot of places. And again, it's his racecraft coming through, which... We just wish he could qualify, don't we? And then he would be a regular, much higher points finisher, as proven last time out. If it if it rained every if it rained every race, Lance Stroll would be brilliant in qualifying. Yeah. So um, the Middle East doesn't suit also him in the that um, sense. high speed tracks, isn't it? So he's very good at Monza, isn't he? Even when it isn't raining, and uh, he's very good at Baku as well. Well, this so... is a high speed track. Yeah, no, no, no. This no, is the thing. You saw his how good his racecraft track. were. You, you saw how good his racecraft was today. Because he did it, he had a, he had a good race, and if I just don't think the car had the pace, he probably outdrove the car in the race to finish eleventh. So I don't think it's a strategy issue. I think it's a car issue. Also, Aston Martin have been very open that they were they think they were the first team to completely shut down for the this year's development and go to next year's, which explains a lot of the drop off. I think. Watch out for them next year. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, one thing you uh, can keep watching out for this year, though, is 3D printed track wall art. Uh, keep an eye on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter socials, and even Discord this week, as we will be running a competition, giving away some Abu Dhabi 3D printed track wall art. It is the old layout, um, but that's because this was manufactured at the start of the season. It was always planned to be given away at this point in the year, uh, and it was very kind of supplied to us by podcast sponsor Apex Tracks. And, well, for all your 3D printed track wall art needs go to apextracks.com that's a-p-e-x-t-r-a-x-s dot com guys into the top 10 and to you sorry Lando Norris um the lack of him not getting moved up in that second red flag melee or melee however you want to pronounce it um does it does it show that the race control just had no clue of what was going on when they they were thinking to adjust the top three but didn't think to adjust Lando Norris who had to slam on the brakes and drop to the back of the order and then fight up it was just a unfortunate spot for for Norris and uh, you know all the energy being spent to the guys in the front Norris was just gonna miss out on on having the stewards look at it appropriately um he definitely got screwed by the red flags. He had to. He ended up in thirteenth place, I believe, during the race. He ended up in sixteenth. Last place. Sixteenth. Oh my god. He was, He was last at the restart. Yeah. At the Jeez. First restart. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. He was unfortunately. Um, I I did see his interview post race with Will Buxton, where he made a comment about the red flags and how the rules should be changed. Uh, he seems to be have he seems to be affected by it the most. Uh, last year in Mugello, he lost out, um, and then um, I think it was a Monza, where Pierre Gasly won, where Stroll was able to get a free pit stop, and and Norris was the one that lost out on that one. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just 
an unfortunate situation for Norris. I know he's he wants to be behind that rule change, and uh, we'll see if it happens, but I, I doubt it. But yeah, it's still still a great effort from him to get back in the points. Yeah, it was a good recovery drive. Uh, someone else who had a pretty good drive was Antonio Giovinazzi, who finished in ninth place. It was a brilliant weekend for him. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that is because the pressure was off or because the track did quite, quite like the um, the Alfa Romeo. But, Tim, the, uh, the question that everyone's thinking is, how will Antonio Giovinazzi fare in Formula E? <laughs> You're asking that question to me. Um, I don't care. Might as well be going to racing in Mickey Mouse. He might be right as well going to race Mario Kart next season, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I do not <laughs> yeah. do not rate Formula I mean, it's E. Powered by batteries. <laughs> yeah, do do not rate Formula E. I think it just needs to go. Um, I think yeah. you can tell that a lot of the top manufacturers are already going to be giving up on it in the next year or two, aren't they? So. Uh, I don't really care. But in terms of... Well, they seem to get involved and then drop out. It's quite a weird one with Formula E. But with Giovinazzi, I think he's sort of found his place he belongs in Formula E, which is Formula E is the dumping ground for drivers who just aren't good enough for F1. And that's why Dan Tictum's going to end up there as well. I think he would. Um, I think I think Giovinazzi would have been better off going to an IndyCar or going to any other what? series, really. <laughs> but, but in terms of his weekend... Well, I, I that, think that actually... he's not good enough for IndyCar. I think he, Eesh. I think he would have done all right in IndyCar. When you can, when you consider Max Chilson has had a full-time drive for the last few seasons, um, definitely <laughs> for IndyCar. Yeah, but Max Chilton, Max Chilton was showing us what he could do in a manner or a, um, oh God, what were they were before manner? Yeah, but he bought his what? Ch- Marussia, 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 Marussia. That's it. Chilton yeah. was a legend. Chilton had the record Chil- of uh, yeah. most uh, race completions without a um, DNF. Consecutive race completions, yeah. yeah. Chilton had it before Ocon took it over in 2017. Uh, anyway, that being said, when Max Chilton was in Formula One, he was completing two or three laps less than everyone else. <laughs> <in the initial laughs> race. Yeah. Um, anyway, so can we actually talk about Giovinazzi's weekend? Because bear in mind, he's in an Alfa. <laughs> bear in mind, he's in an Alfa Romeo. He didn't come lower than 12th in any session the entire weekend. That includes all three practices, Q1, Q2, Q3, and the race. Which, in Bravo. and out for Romeo, is pretty damn impressive. Just a shame it's too little too late. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that in and out for Romeo, that's damn impressive, I think. Um, he deserves all the credit, and he'll, he'll, and he'll deserve his points and any bonus he gets for his points this weekend. Now, after Giovinazzi was Carlos Sainz, who... Had a good weekend, I thought. I thought he was unlucky. He lost when he lost it in qualifying. We've seen that a lot of cars at, around that uh, at that particular corner losing it. And um, when he clipped the rear wing and he got sent back out, I thought that was quite foolish of Ferrari to send him back out. Uh, I thought there was no way that car is going to be able to hold up under the G forces at those high speeds. Um, but when he came back and raced through from fifteenth. Uh, to get eight face, Danny. Um, brilliant drive, really. Yeah, yeah, just a, a brilliant drive by Sainz. He's showing his uh, his talent at Ferrari. Uh, just really unfortunate in qualifying uh, to have that mistake. Um, he still had a good effort. He made the race entertaining in the first um, the first part of the race uh, before the uh, before the red flags. Um, he was moving up. Um, you know, Sainz is obvious. 
obviously has a lot of talent and is deservedly in a Ferrari. And, you know, it's just a team to watch for next year. Ferrari is. Yeah. Uh, but they were classed well. I, I do have to say, what's going on with Ferrari and street circuits? Uh, they always seem to bend it in, in qualifying. You know, Leclerc, Monaco this year, uh, Baku, was it two years ago? Yeah, like what? They need to get that sorted out. Vettel, Vettel yeah. and Kimmy at Singapore. Yeah. I even had mentioned Baku, I mean, Singapore 2017 earlier. You know, you almost had the same scenario there. But, uh, they seem to have quite an infamous history of crashing on street circuits for our, even going back to Schumacher, who had a uh, who had one in Monaco. Um, but while we're sticking on for our, we'll move up one Tim to Leclerc, who was class, and this weekend I think he showed that class. And he, I mean, if there was any questions on it now, it, it's well and truly sealed third place in the constructors for Ferrari. Yep, which if you'd offered them that at the start of the season, I think they'd have bitten your hand off. Um, especially considering the first part of the season as well, that engine upgrade that they brought in. Where did they bring it in? Middle of the summer, didn't they? Was it after the summer break they brought it in? Spa, spa time, wasn't it? And then we never, yeah, because we never got to see it properly at Spa because of the weather. And then they were really fast in, um, yeah, that's it. in the Netherlands, weren't they? Holland. Um, yeah, a pretty solid weekend for Charles. A qualifying lap. If you haven't seen the on board, find it because it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal that car he was just so on the edge of every corner the, the pole the lap that put him in fourth place he was just brilliant um yeah. caught out by the red flag situation was one of the ones that pitted and the three that finished ahead of him didn't i want to say gasly didn't pit either i don't think on that pit stop did he i can't remember to be honest i know a lot of people came in um, but yeah, but um, I think what I want to yeah, but but he he was he was obviously the first of the front runners to get caught out by stopping <coughs> before the red flag came out. But yeah, he had a good race otherwise. And also, I think is, is it the fourth or fifth race in a row that the Ferraris have finished one ahead of the other, <laughs> which is just a very consistency when you consider impressive. they're all in the points. <laughs> it is good when they're all in the points. I think I've, I mean Ferrari will finish one ahead of the other last season, but that was like. 14 from 14. Yeah. Um, I think what's going to be said about Leclerc is he showed some great car control when he got pinned by Perez in between the wall and somehow when spinning Perez around he was able to s- slow the car down and manoeuvre around Perez without damaging his front wing. Mm. Or from what I saw I didn't see any damage on the front wing. Um, which I thought was brilliant car control. Um, but one last driver before we get into the top five is Pierre Gasly who of course you just mentioned him um danny what do you think of his race do you think i mean finally he had a good race finally had some luck and finally had some race pace finally finally got to finish uh, a race like this um he seems to not be in it another great result from him top six um you know he had a great qualifying he just had a good weekend just shows his his talent um but yeah, I think he he was the one he was one of them that benefited from that earlier red flag. Uh, moving on to Ricardo, who was Tim. I think the words you would use to describe Ricardo this weekend were silently brilliant. You didn't really see anything of Ricardo from lap three onwards um, after getting done by Bottas, but after that, 
solid, brilliant, avoided the drama, and brought home a very solid result. Yeah, brought home the result. Um, very similar to, there was a race earlier in the season when, again, he benefited from either a safety car or a red flag, got put in position in that fourth, fifth area. And I think he came home fourth in that race, just based on the based on the. Well, he qualified the up there. This what time did? he qualified up no, there. This he time, just sort of no, this time, no, he qualified. Yeah. No, Ricardo qualified eleventh. He didn't make. Oh no! So no, he had a good start. He, he had, had a really good start, good start because he was up ahead of Bottas. I was about to say across the weekend he was actually off the pace through most of the practices and most of the qualifying sessions. Um, That's it. Yeah. He kind of scraped Q two with a last lap, last gas lap, and then didn't even make Q three. So it was. Um, Kind of a surprising race, but obviously we didn't see much of him. But he obviously had the pace to keep it, keep it on the straight and narrow, um, and to just keep the car in contention, which is what he needed to do, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, very good drive for him. Important points for McLaren. I know it's, I know that um, the third place is now pretty much gone. If it gone officially, must be close to being gone officially. Um, but yeah, good points for McLaren. Good drive from Ricardo. uh, Constructors. Yeah, I assume it. I assume uh, that they. I think it's like it. they. They. They pretty much need. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's gone now. Yeah. It would need like a McLaren one-two, wouldn't it, or something, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and a fastest lap with Ferrari not scoring, which you never know. It it's happened once already this year, but um. <laughs> Sorry about that. Danny, we were... Um, That's all right. Uh, uh, Danny, now, now you're back from dealing with old Yeller, um, we can <laughs> talk about Esteban Ocon. We are just saying he has got to have been really the driver of the day. You can forget what your popular vote said about Verstappen and Hamilton. You can forget Bottas getting that last second podium. Esteban Ocon was really the driver of the day today. Yeah, yeah. check his onboard. I, everybody should really check his onboard. From that uh, red flag restart, the first one, uh, just really, really patient, uh, attacked at the right time, and you know he he had the lead, he got the lead uh, with the incident between Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, you know we can't expect a a repeat of Hungary. I think that would have been a tall task to ask. Uh, Max and Hamilton were in a class of their own again today, um, but just again. Being at the right place, the right time. It should be called like the Sergio Perez Award because we remember when Perez was in in um, in uh, Force India. You know, he'd get all these random podiums for being at the right place, the right time. You know, Ocon is one of those drivers. Uh, but yeah, just great race from him. Controlled controlled it all race. You know, held that he held Ricardo and Botas for the majority of the race. Uh, the red flags, the the multiple VSCs definitely helped him out. Uh, but uh, you know, just a good result to see for the Alpine team yeah. and for Ocon. Um, just adding to that about the pace of that drive, and bearing in mind that Alonso was off the pace for most of the race, um, he finished, bear in mind that from the point of the second red flag, neither of them stopped. He finished 15 seconds ahead of Ricardo and Gasly on pace alone. And he wasn't... I mean, he was being he pushed slight... very hard as well. But I know he was being pushed he was, very hard. He was having to him. drive under a lot more pressure. No, I mean, he was having to drive under a lot more pressure than those two, in my opinion, because he was trying to defend a podium from a Mercedes. 
I know he was, but the fact that on a, on a raw pace alone, over what was it, a 28, 29 lap stint from the second red flag to the to the end of the to the end of the race, he got 15. That's half a second a lap in an in an Alpine over a McLaren and a Alpha Tauri. That's a stunning pace to have that consistency of pace across a across um across a over a half a race distance. That's brilliant. But especially, uh, and you compare that to his teammates' he, pace, oh, it, it becomes even more impressive. We should we should also add that he um, kept himself in the pit window of Max, meaning that Max could not take the fastest lap. And how crucial could that prove to be in a couple of weeks' time, or next weekend, rather? They are level on points, as it stands. So it could be very... Well, it, it means everything's still to play for. But um, before we talk about those front two, Danny, is Barry Bottas... The best teammate anyone's ever had in Formula One. <laughs> mm. Well, I'm sh- depends on the context. Um, I'm sure Barrichello will have a lot to say about that. Um, but you know, you got to give Bottas credit in qualifying to get ahead of that. You know, to get become right behind Hamilton in, in qualifying. I think that is very understated. Um, you know, we saw the beginning of the race, the start of the race, how that helped both of Mercedes out to stay ahead of Verstappen. Um, you know, Botas, today he was worth his contract. I know he's been criticized for, you know, Mexico for allowing Verstappen to pass by him. And, you know, Russia, where he let Max also get ahead of him easily. But, yeah, today he definitely showed his, uh, his worth. And, yeah, he... This weekend, he performed like the best teammate that Hamilton's ever had. Mm. I mean, I think he's up there with being the best teammate anyone's ever had in Formula One. I don't. I, I think there doesn't ever seem to be any fracturing. Yeah, definitely. Anymore, it, it's it's. I, I think with like you saw, like Bottas has always sort of been the team player. Like you, I don't. He hides the heartbreak better than Barrichello ever did. Um, I mean, someone's going to be hiding heartbreak next weekend. We don't know if it's going to be someone in a Red Bull or in a Mercedes. But before we talk about next weekend, uh, we'll talk about what happened this weekend. Tim, with Max Verstappen, did the FIA miss his chance to punish him in Brazil and now he doesn't know where the line is himself? Which incident are we referring to? <laughs> which one for, the, for him not knowing where they're like which one are we referring to all of them collectively well, shall we hey, um, shall we break collective. them down or <laughs> do we have time because i feel the one he got the penalty right the what right right the one he got the penalty for which was skipping the corner at turn one and then not immediately giving the face back i think that's a justified penalty do I think he should be getting a penalty for the slowing down at the approach to turn 13? Honestly, in my opinion, no. I do not understand why Lewis... No, I feel like a misunderstanding that. I, I, don't, I do not understand it wasn't, why it Lewis... Wasn't, it, wasn't re, it wasn't relayed to Lewis, and he thought there was probably... I mean, he just didn't know what was going on. He thought there was some sort of tactics. And then it was like like um, Ron Meadows said on the radio with, uh, with Michael Massey, Hey, look, we didn't know he was doing this, and Michael Massey says, "Oh no, we told you." And he was like, "Yeah, you told us as it was happening." I couldn't get it down to. I couldn't then relay it to to 
James or Bono to then relate to Hamilton. So I think that one was just a misunderstanding. Um, I think Verstappen tried to let him through. And then for... I, I think there was some consistency here, which is weird for the FIA, because when he, at the final corner, let Hamilton through and then dived back past him himself, it was very Hamilton, Riken and Spa 2007. And I, I think that's when the stewards were like, no, screw this, we're giving him enough chances to give this car play. It was too dead. Give him sp- no, it was definitely 2007, because it was the... Yeah, it was the one. It was the one that sure Hamilton. Yeah, it was 2007 because it's the one Hamilton got it taken off him. It was. It's the one when Hamilton lost the championship yeah. to Raikkonen based on that, wasn't it? Danny Shore in 2000. I mean, he lost it. I, I'm sure there was a lot I, more reasons he lost that. I'm sure it was 2008. Massa well, was given that win. Got... Yeah, Massa was given that win. I don't know. Either way, um, I think the say the, the stewards are like, "Nah, you're taking the mick now. We're just going to give you the penalty," and I think the penalty was justified. Um, my issue with Verstappen's driving this week was at the restart when Hamilton had got him. Hamilton was clearly ahead and he drove, like he did in Monza, off the track to get the place back. And, of course, that's how Wacom got past, but Hamilton had to take a base of action. And I feel that this is this is where a line needs to be sort of drawn out for Max so he knows where it is. Because, I mean, I mean Hamilton's bitten his tongue all season and this time it's sort of the emotions have come out in the press conferences. I, I do believe Lewis has learned his lesson with Max uh, throughout the year. Um, I felt he played a little safe throughout the race and, um, you know, he... Hamilton played fair, I, I believe. I'm not. I'm not just saying it from a fan perspective. Um, Hamilton, I mean, Verstappen is seeing his the championship slip away. Um, this is a, just another race. Now, three races in a row, momentum has fought clearly behind Hamilton. Um, Max has to do something, and he is doing everything he can. He's he's in that gray zone of the rules. He's into the black zone of the rule. You know, the the, the bad part of the rules. Um, you know, the penalties were justified. Uh, they were fair. Um, but yeah, now they're level on points. I, I feel like it's just racing Abu Dhabi and just let's name our, our champion for the year. Yeah, I agree. I think just don't bother with any more penalties. Let's let them just race in Abu Dhabi. I don't want to see any grid penalties next race. I just want two guys going, just going head to head. Winner takes all. Um, yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't hear a comparison of it at the uh, the uh, when Max backed off and they collided. Um, I did get very strong vibes of the Hamilton Rosberg 2016 when Rosberg went to pull over to one side yeah. and Hamilton just ran into the back of him. Obviously, it was a very different reason that Verstappen pulled over, but just visually. No, that was completely different, and you're just talking bollocks there. <laughs> no, wait, fish, wait no, wait which, which race? Visually, um, Spain, talk, Spain talking... 2016, when Rosberg pulled over to one side and Hamilton went into the back. Yeah, of but that no, was that was that, different. That, that, that was because that, that was so different. That was different. It was, no, 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 no. It was different circumstances, but visually it looked very similar as Hamilton got, came that's... over to the same side as. No, that's... totally different. Totally different. Just different visually. scenarios. Completely different. Tim, Tim, I'm going to save you. Tim, I'm going to save you here. Just let us move on to Hamilton, okay? We're going to save your blushes. 
but the way but the way that it was a car but the way that it was a car that slowed down in front of Lewis and Lewis didn't take the other side of the track. So Danny, you know what else is really similar to Tim? It was Kubitsa crashing in two thousand seven in Canada and Kubitsa winning in Canada in two thousand eight. Completely the same. Oh, don't <laughs> <away. laughs> No, yeah, you, yeah I, um, I don't think if you want to set a precedent for this battle between Max and, and Lewis, you definitely have to go to the greats. You have to go Schumacher, Hackinen, even um, Hackinen, Irvine, 99, uh, Prost, Prost, Senna, pick your year. Um, this is the, the level of the Titanic battle that's going against them. The dirtiness, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to speak frank, but the dirtiness on Max's side is very similar to tactics from, the, from that era, from the 90s era. And, that, and that's the appeal that Max has over a lot of the drivers, that he's a throwback driver, that he wants to see race. I think Red Bull and Red Max are doing a really bad disservice to Formula One by claiming let them race, you know, when, when it's clearly your driver taking advantage of every every rule possible and, and crossing the line, not just taking advantage, but crossing the line. They, it's convoluting that statement, fair racing. Um, you know, rules might need to be rewritten this year um, about engagement. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, this is a generational battle between two generational talents. And we'll see. Okay. We've got one more driver to talk about, Lewis Hamilton, who, I mean, really, he always had the pace to win the race. Danny? Yep. If Lewis pulls this off, is it F1's greatest ever title comeback? Oh title comeback the greatest yeah it's in comeback coming the greatest comeback to come from behind and win a title yeah i think history will 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 look back at this year and and we'll look better you know 2010 we had a titanic comeback um you know other years at the top of my head i really can't think of Ir irvine almost had that titanic comeback in 99 um schumacher never really had to come back in a battle, in a championship battle, correct me if I'm right. I know 2006, when he lost against Alonso, Alonso was pretty much in control throughout the whole year, even though it was very even between them two. To, to tell Hamilton, a driver like Hamilton, you have to win the next three or four races to win the title. No mistakes, you know, your driver has to, your opponent has to avoid fastest laps and you got this title. This will, yeah, you're right. Looking back at it, this will probably be the greatest comeback of a Formula One championship of all time, season-wise. Tim, same question. Um, I'm desperately racking through my brain to try and think of a better comeback, and I know we're probably younger than some listeners or F1 fans out there, but I can't think of, I can't think of one where it's come from so far back or just. It's, it's not just the fact he's come from so far back. It's the fact that Verstappen has been finishing podiums almost every race that he's been doing it. If Verstappen had crashed out two or three times and Lewis had won those races then in the last couple of weeks, then you'd be thinking, OK, like Verstappen's thrown it away himself or just like lost it um, through whether they were luck or whether his own accidents and things. But the fact that Verstappen has been there every step of the way alongside him just makes it that much more incredible, doesn't it? Mm. Also. He can set fastest lap after fastest lap of fastest lap, having had contact <laughs> twice and with a broken front wing where then it's coming off. That is just 
just the brilliance of Lewis Hamilton. And yeah, we've, said, we've mean, said it so many times before, gonna... haven't we, on this podcast? We, it's just the, the sheer brilliance of Lewis Hamilton. I mean, it's the sheer brilliance of Lewis Hamilton and also the utter heartbreak if you design aerodynamics in a Formula One car when you see a car going faster and faster and faster and it's your car, but it's broken. It's got broken bits on it. I mean, that's got that's going to suck. They're, um, not, they're not allowed as many bits on the wings next year, so maybe Mercedes just need to take that design <laughs> without an M plate and like, without. All right, a... we're s- just going going in for the pit stop and just being like, okay, no, we're too slow. Okay, just screw it. Just take a, take an M plate off. Just get a sledgehammer and take an M plate off and just see what happens. Um, before we wrap it up, uh, we've got a couple of things. I want to say, I think first of all, Saudi Arabia, of course. Uh, last week, Dan and I touched on the Middle East and their certain views on certain uh, rights. Um, I thought it was great to see. I mean, I, I might have missed some drivers here, but of course we had Lewis Hamilton's helmet, Sebastian Vettel with his um, same love T-shirt, making a reappearance, his shoes, uh, also setting up the women's only karting event. But also on the grid today, um, I saw Daniel Ricciardo, Mick Schumacher and Esteban Ocon all wearing the same T-shirt. And I think it's great to see that from what side of just being as Lewis and Seb in the Middle East put and in these countries where you have these issues, where, where they have these issues with people being who they are. It's nice to see now that more drivers are putting their voice out there and saying, no, we race as one and we don't care where we're being sent. As Lewis Hamilton said, we don't get to be we don't get to choose where we're sent, but we're going to speak up for what's right. So that's a great thing. But before we wrap it up, guys, I'm going to ask you one more question each. Who's going to win the title? What's the result going to be? <laughs> Who wants to go first? Oh. <laughs> no, but Do you want me to go first? I'll answer. I think, Ma- I think Max Verstappen's going to win. I think it's going to be Verstappen 1, Hamilton 2, and I think it's going to be one of those really tough gut-wrenching races to watch as a Hamilton fan like it was in Abu Dhabi 2016 where you just knew whatever Hamilton was doing just couldn't get that final bit well it all depends it all depends we all know it depends but I want to know who you think I feel money where the mouth I feel is. like Hamilton will win money where the mouth yeah is, I feel like it. Hamilton would win uh the track has made the changes it's a, it's eleven seconds faster to claiming it. Um, this plays into to Mercedes' hands. Um, obviously, the two long straights and the um, following the long straight, you don't have that weird chicane to the left hand turn. Yeah. It's just one big swooping turn. Um, it, you know, you still I don't know. It, they're they're tied. So fastest point. Are out. You know the fastest point equation is out. Yeah, it's who finishes. It's only it only really comes into it if they finish tenth, ninth, and tenth, mm-hmm. and Verstappen gets the fastest lap, or Hamilton gets the fastest lap. Whatever or happens is it seven, is it, is in it, that is situation. It, yeah, the only time one point can separate them is ninth and tenth, <laughs> and that's not going to happen. If that happens, my God, just just give the get, disqualify them both and give the title. If give that happens, Bottas. disqualify them both and give the title to Bottas. Um, no, but no, but if they hit each other at turn one and then they're fighting back through the field, 
it literally could come down to, <laughs> don't, I don't to a, for it. A, a fourth, a fifth, sixth. It could come down to the one or two points, but it's a difference in the lower points. If, if that if that right. happens, Max well, wins Do you think so? Well, whilst that's whilst yeah. we're being skeptical, whilst we're being skeptical, Danny said, uh, Hamilton. I said for Stappen, Tim, you got the casting vote. Who's going to win the championship? Lewis. Just on the momentum, momentum alone, I think Lewis. Um, just yeah. because of the way that he has come back. And also, just everything that's transpired today. I hate to say it, the only way I see Max winning it is if Max takes Lewis out. And we, well, Damon Hill said on the uh, on the broadcast, <laughs> they bought things since 1997. If someone does that, they'll get disqualified. You guys, you, you guys um, can't see our faces that are listening to this podcast, but this has probably been the most difficult <laughs> moment of a podcast. It's very somber. We, we we don't we the truth is we won't know probably until the final lap of next week and it's gonna be so exciting and so tense and nervous and it's gonna be it's I'm gonna be the roller coaster the roller coaster of emotions that we're all as F one fans are gonna go through next week regardless of who you want to win regardless of who you support it's gonna be fantastic and also horrible at the same time. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but um, yeah, well, guys, thanks very much for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to us, there's a link in the bio, in the bio of the podcast to connect with us and everything else on all our social medias. Um, I just want you to remember that if Lewis, if you're a Hamilton fan and Lewis doesn't win the title, um, it's all Tim's fault because he had the casting vote and has jinxed it. <laughs> However, if Hamilton does win the title, just want to say this is why we're brilliant because we predicted it. Um, <laughs> can I just add to that as well? Can I just add to that as well? If you are a Max or a Lewis fan and your driver doesn't win the title, don't start abusing the fans or the opposite driver of or the opposite driver themselves, because what those two men have put on for you this season is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in sport. And I'm a massive sports fan. And however it ends up, it's gonna have been one of the best roller coasters that you could be possibly put on by any any show in the world, pretty much. So yeah, show respect and graciousness if your driver does lose. That's and uh, to quote Michael Massey, that's the deal if you want to take it. <laughs> oh, we, we did not we did not talk about driver twenty one. Yeah, oh. we didn't talk about driver twenty one. He was, was driver number twenty one. Was, was it driver thirty one at the end or thirty two? We, I don't know. But anyway, keep away, guys. Thank you very much for Replace listening. Massey. Replace Massey. Replace Massey. Replace Massey. Goodbye. <laughs> bye, bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>